1: Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio Show on Blog Talk Network. I'm your host once again, Cole Friel, coming here on uh, Thursday, April 25th, uh, the day of the NFL Draft for, for many football fans, but on today's show, we'll once again be covering baseball. Uh, we'll be doing somewhat the, the similar than the normal show rundown with injuries, so, uh, some reviews, some previews, looking at series, looking at some of these hot starts that that we're still getting in April, uh, but before we get to, to all these show topics, uh, I'd like to bring in uh, my co-host Kyle Amore. Uh Kyle is a writer at MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Uh, he is a former collegiate and semi-professional pitcher himself. Uh, welcome to the show, Kyle. How are you doing? And uh, since we'll be sitting the entire show talking about baseball, you know, if there's one thing that you want to get off your chest about the NFL draft, uh, why don't you just why don't you just let it go? Well,
0: I would be absolutely shocked if we see Murray go number one overall. I don't see it happening. I don't think they want to carry two quarter- two young quarterbacks at that on that roster, like you mentioned before the show. Especially with that signing bonus, they don't want to give another one out to another QB. And even then, I don't think anyone's offering what they want. Uh, they're going to hold out for a number one pick, for or excuse me, a first round pick for Rose, and it's just not going to happen. So. It's going to be interesting, but I still have a good feeling Bosa is going to go number one overall.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. In my opinion, it's definitely not the right move, just from the standpoint of, uh, for all things considered in the offensive line, I think Rosen deserves a, another year, and it's so hard to trade up for a quarterback one year uh, just to throw him out the very next year. This is very interesting draft class, though. Twain Haskins is actually the quarterback I, I like quite a bit. Uh, a very heavy defensive line draft, but uh, enough of that. We'll, we'll move on to the baseball. Uh, before we get started with the baseball, though, I would like to remind our audience about our partner, Thrive Fantasy. Uh, Thrive Fantasy offers a, a difference platform for the daily fantasy game. Uh, It offers prop bets instead of uh, the salary-based games that you get with other services. Uh, That's thrivefantasy.com. You can also go to majorleaguefantasysports.com and click on the Thrive Fantasy link. Uh, And if you use the promo code MLFS, Thrive Fantasy will match your first $10. That's the promo code MLFS. We are also seeking members for our 2019 football leagues. These are competitive leagues, so we look to uh, look early into the, the season and try to find the right fits for these leagues. So if, if you're interested in joining, email Corey D Roberts at Major League fantasy Sports at gmail.com. That's Corey D Roberts at Major League fantasy sports at gmail.com. And if you like the work we do here, Uh, on the radio, uh, in writing for our articles, visit our Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash Major League Fantasy Sports. Now, before we get to what we usually start with, which is uh, the injuries, uh, I know you, Kyle, wanted to talk about this issue of the baseballs. Now, a lot of people are familiar with people talking about uh, the changes in the baseballs in general, this is maybe a little bit of a different subject matter. Uh, this is the minor league baseballs and how they've been changed uh, to be more like the major league baseballs. Uh, would you like to take it from there, Kyle?
0: Yeah, so I found it interesting that AAA switched to the same exact baseball that major league baseball is using. And, you know, because of that, they've seen a drastic increase in the home runs. Since they made the switch, and I know the reports came out over the off season, or even before the off season, that they were switching to that. And you know, my question is now: seeing the home run, seeing how well they're hitting the ball, seeing how tightly wound the ball is to help you get that—that uh, that, uh, just—I should say—not only the loss, but just the ability to be able to hit it farther. My question is: you know, is, is this going to hurt? pitcher's readiness for MLB? Is it going to help hitters? Are you going to see hitters that, you know, are, are starting to do it in the minor leagues and come up and, and immediately? And I'm talking more in terms of power because a lot of times you see power coming late. Um, you do see guys that weren't necessarily crazy power hitters in the minor leagues, but once they got to the major league level, you know, like, wow, where did this power come from? And, and then on, on the opposite side too, if we're seeing hitters, hit more home runs, is that going to hurt pitchers in terms of confidence? Is it going to hurt them in terms of how they're going to pitch certain hitters? I mean, yeah, they would get to that level and, you know, eventually have to use this baseball. So my thing is we'll hurt them. We'll, we'll not hurt them. You know, we'll give them an advantage because they are doing it at the A level. So. Uh, that was just my take on it. I, I can see both ends of the spectrum, but I thought it was interesting that AAA did switch, and then all of a sudden we saw, uh, we've already seen an increase in the amount of home runs hit at AAA.
1: Yeah, um, I was already getting into a conversation with a friend in the Dynasty League the other day because you know we already have the PCL when it comes to AAA, uh, the PCL being the league that has uh, teams in like Colorado, Las Vegas, uh, where there's so many hitter friendly ballparks that that league has such a, such a high ERA it's so hard to judge pitchers and hitters already uh when they're in the PCL uh, now now you add uh the balls it, it just does make it kind of difficult you wonder uh, I mean we we're already having this conversation about do you already jump players from double A to the MLB and just not care about uh because you're not going to be able to care what they do in triple A you know I don't know what exactly um how exactly teams are going to react to these changes and in, in their player evaluations. But, you know, moving forward, I, I think it's definitely something that we need to carry asterisks on um, and definitely focus on looking at, especially in the case of pitchers, looking at some of these K to BB metrics uh, and not necessarily their ERAs. And then hitters, uh, we also need to maybe potentially um, be aware that the fact that their stats might be inflated somewhat. Do you think that's, the fair, uh, the fair takeaway from from the balls being like they are.
0: Yeah, I, I think for the most part, I, I think for a hitter's standpoint, I don't necessarily think they would be as affected as much. Yeah, you might see an inflation in in the home runs, but I mean, if a guy's think about it, if he's an all or nothing, if he's going to strike out or you know go for the long ball, you're going to be able to catch on to that still, regardless. But my thing is, more or less for the pitchers, like you mentioned, you can't really put a whole lot of stock in the ERA if you're looking at the, at the PCL, you know, and now you're seeing the ball fly out of the ballpark too. I think you're really going to get these scouts and, and guys that really look into it, not necessarily the metrics because, again, if you're hitting home runs constantly, you're not going to be able to do that. But really looking at the fundamentals, looking at their placement, looking at the velo on different things, can they take some off, can they you know, add some to their pitches? So I think you'll see more of a mechanical aspect in in terms of viewing some of these pitchers, especially with, you know, ERAs uh, being an outlier. Yep, sounds good. And uh, we'll move on to
1: the injuries. Um, So we have two injuries written. They aren't necessarily new injuries here in Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. Uh, One injury that is new is, uh, I believe, Clint Frazier uh, hitting the injured list. Uh, The Yankees also trade for for Cameron Maven. Um, what's your take on this situation? Obviously, one of the most common narratives we've had so far this season is the Yankees being constantly injured. So um, how how has this situation continued to fold, and and how soon do you think some of these guys are going to get back?
0: Yeah, so Aaron Judge is kind of, you know, it's just a question. You've got to think about it with your oblique. When you're swinging a bat, your obliques are always going to be involved. So with him, I mean, it, it, again, it's another one of these injuries where you're you're taking away what he can do for baseball to get prepared to be able to play baseball. He's going to have to wait it out. There's going to be a lot of downtime and just, you know, anti-inflammatories and, and, and really just, I mean, I'm sure you'll see him getting therapy on it in terms of heat and, and, and ice. And you know uh, massages here and there, but it's another injury where he's just going to have to rest. He's not going to be able to swing a bat. Even when he gets ready to swing a bat, they're going to have to make sure that that oblique strain is is mm-hmm. almost healed. You got to remember, two strains are minor, minor tears. So there is a minor tear in in that oblique of his, and it's his left oblique. Uh, excuse me, oblique. And being a right-handed hitter, when his torque, you know, when he starts to swing that bat and you start to see that that torque towards the core there. That's that left oblique that's going to be engaged in that swing. So again, for him, a lot of downtime won't be able to hit. Not probably. I mean, he'll probably be able to jog, but there's not a whole lot of lifting he can do. So you know, it could be a, a two-month injury at the at the least. Um, now with Giancarlo Stanton, I did reports that he is getting closer um, to being able to swing a bat too. I mean, with that bicep strain, and and for as big as he is, you know, he's got to make sure he's healthy too. Uh, again, with his bicep, that's going to affect not only just his hitting but his throwing as well. So, um, for him, he is getting close. But, I mean, just the injury after injury after injury after injury for the Yankees. And it, it's almost, you know, close to what we were talking with the Mets a few, uh, few years ago with the, all the pitching injuries they had. So, you know, it it's frustrating. But the thing is, how do you pinpoint it? What could be the cause of that? I know I read many things where people are going after their their medical staff, but, uh, I mean, some of these things, I mean, your your oblique strain, your bicep strain, and hamstrings and calves, a lot of these things are just kind of freak accidents.
1: Yeah, and then um, do you have any idea what the, the timetable for return is on Giancarlo Stanton?
0: um i would probably say we're another couple weeks out before we see him i would say right around that three three uh week range i don't think they're in a hurry to reply. i mean i shouldn't say they're not in a hurry of course they want to get him back but they don't want to rush him and you know and, and risk having him re-injure that so i'd probably put it around the, the three week range
1: it's hard because, you know, you look at these Yankees and uh, they haven't been doing terrible in terms of the win-loss record. But at the same time, you know, you know even though the, the Red Sox aren't, if the season ended today, the most competitive team record-wise, you know that they will most likely be there by the end of it. And then even though Meadows has been hurt and they've had a little bit of things slowing them down recently, uh, the Rays have given us, you know, this feeling of legitimacy. So, you know, the Yankees can't afford at the same time to fall too far behind. Uh, even though they have this team that that looked at the beginning of the season uh, so deep, going to the other side of New York, um, Jacob Degrom. Now I don't remember necessarily, or I don't know what the official report ended up being. If he got an MRI or if they decided that he didn't need an MRI, which was a, a weird twist that I that I heard uh, in the story. But he seems to be healthy. Is is the bottom line. Uh, which is a big sigh of relief, obviously, for the New York Mets. Um, Do you you think there's anything to talk about in this DeGrom situation further?
0: I'm going to say I'm going to have to assume no, um, especially with the MRI coming back negative. I think if there was anything to it, we would see him missing multiple starts. Um, I, I kind of took a beating earlier this week talking about it on Reddit where, you know, they never really specified where the elbow injury occurred. If it was on the inside of his forearm, uh, the elbow, I would be really concerned. If it was on the outer part where you see, uh, like, tennis elbow happen, that's that's just normal. Everyone's going to get that. I got it constantly. But then when I had issues with my elbow, it was all on the inside. So if it was on the inside of the elbow, I'd be greatly concerned. But the fact that everything came back negative and, and you know, in – the fact that he's going to pitch here again and he's not missing multiple starts, I, I think is a good sign. I, I, I Again, it could just be a little overuse. We don't know. Maybe he slept on it wrong. But the fact that the MRI came back negative, I don't find it a huge concern.
1: And then one last entry we have on this list. Didn't seem like a very big entry uh, week this week, which is good because we've had some rough ones uh, recently, is uh, Nathan Eovaldi. Um, surgery Tuesday to remove loose bodies from his elbow. Um, anything uh, to add on either the timetable or, or what this injury is uh, for the pitcher Ivaldi?
0: Yeah, I, I think it can be a concern for this team. I, I mean, if, if you look at Boston's starting pitchers, they really haven't been anything special. If you look at the ERAs out of their five starters, I mean, other than David Price, everyone has inflated numbers. Their whips are where we wouldn't think they would be. You're talking, you know, porcello has got a whip almost a two-and-a-half, which is absolutely horrendous. So, um, now, with Evaldi, the thing is, again, as I mentioned, I mean, the starting rotation really can't afford to, to take a hit. You saw uh, Hector Velasquez go in there and uh, get to start the other day. Um, the significance of it, we really don't know how much time he's going to miss. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon Morrow had the same issue with the Cubs. He had his body removed last year. He missed uh, the rest of the season, and he still hasn't been back. So, I mean, this is a, a thing depending on how well he recovers from it. And it, it, it's a minor surgery, but the thing is when you're cutting in the muscles like that, you prolong the healing process because now you got to heal those muscles too and get that strength back up. So, I mean, this is something that could see him possibly not get back to the postseason if he even comes back then. So it's something to monitor again with Boston starting rotation. It's not something, you know, you, you want to see happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, uh, we're we're dealing with all these injuries. It seems like again the common theme in this American League East. So uh, we'll we'll continue to monitor these injuries as we go forward, and and obviously try to bring uh, the new injuries uh, a, as they come out. Uh, but moving forward, we you know we kind of buried uh, one of the biggest leads in this show uh, because because it didn't make our initial uh, paperwork uh, because of the call ups, the late call ups of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Carter Boom, uh, as well as a couple other recent call-ups that, that have happened across the sport, like Michael Chavez, uh, Cole Tucker, uh, and, and also Pirates outfielder uh, Brian Reynolds. Obviously, there's so much to get to here. You know, in, in terms of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., less so things that you're doing with him in fantasy leagues because he was drafted everywhere uh, and highly drafted everywhere, uh, but just excitement is based to see him play. In shallower leagues, a lot of us were not expecting Carter Keyboom to be up, especially this early this year. So, so that's obviously uh, something that that people need to look out for. Adam in shallower leagues, ask questions later um, and and see how the usage pans out. But uh, what, what do you think about these these minor league call ups? Uh, what what sticks out to you? Uh, how how you feel about these, Kyle?
0: So, yeah, so I, I thought the Carter Keboom one was extremely interesting uh, just because, you know, they wanted to make sure he was ready to play second base. And when they called him up, they wanted him to play second base. But, I mean, Dozier kind of struggled early on. And, you know, just to, I guess to get a boost, I mean, Keboom's been doing extremely well. If you look at his numbers here in AAA, I mean, he's been on fire. Batting average just under, you know, 380. OBP, over 500. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. And he has – gone deep three times so you know he's he's blocked in i think this could give him a boost I, I they're calling him up he's going to play shortstop i cannot see them putting dozier on the bench and you know putting Kiboom at second with uh, uh defoe playing shortstop so uh, we're going to see Kiboom playing shortstop until um uh, until turner gets back but i mean at the, at the same time i'm like oh you know that's kind of weird that they would do that. But now we've seen it numerous times. I mean, we've seen Javier Bias play all over the place. We've seen Charlotte Castro do that. We've seen a, a number of other infielders too flip back and forth from shortstop to second. Honestly, in my opinion, I mean, if you're athletic enough to play shortstop, you should be able to move and play second base easily. I, I don't think there's any doubt. Now your hands better be good to turn those double plays frequently, but, um, It was interesting. I'm excited. I did draft him in in the final rounds of two keeper leagues, and finally, finally, he's getting that call. Guerrero, I mean, what can we say? Uh, I mean, the fans have got to be excited. You're talking about the top prospect in baseball here, and and, I mean, it's kind of funny that he's had 15 more at-bats in AAA, and he hits three home runs, but then, you know, when he got his first uh, few at-bats in the minors coming back from that injury, he you know, his numbers are still solid, but didn't go deep. So, you know, he's excited. The fans are going to be excited. And, I mean, another 20-year-old. We're just, you know, you're seeing athletes throughout all sports, let alone, you know, not just baseball, get younger and younger. And you're seeing it again with another 20-year-old. So, this is exciting. We're seeing all the top uh, prospects. I mean, you got Iwo Jimenez there. You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. Now we're getting Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, did you think we'd see all three this fast?
1: No, not at all, uh, especially not, not Tatis. I mean, Tatis is obviously, you know, he, he was the biggest surprise. Um, I guess it's hard because Eloy was, was, you know, they gave us the contract, and the contract was kind of this clear, like, okay, he is going to come, and he's going to come right away because that took, that took away all the incentives, which, by the way, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has improved so much since since March 29th. He, he's learned a lot in AAA. Uh, and there was no no manipulation going on there uh, in, in the reasons he was down. Uh, but you know, going going back to the Kibum thing, uh, really quick. Uh, yeah, it, it makes you wonder if maybe Dozier has just scared them so much uh, in April that that they're uh, running away from it. But but also maybe you know maybe this was just the plan all along to to have Kibum up right away. Um, and so when Trey Turner comes back, it will be Kibu moving over to second uh, and Dozier either being designated for assignment or moving into a different role. It will be interesting to see how how the playing time works out. There's obviously a chance, especially if he doesn't perform well and if Dozier heats up, uh, that Kibu gets sent back down to AAA when Trey Turner comes back. But obviously, you know, pick up now, ask questions later. Speaking of someone that was a pick up now, ask questions later, Uh, a couple days ago michael chavez actually just hit his uh, i believe it's a second home run but another home run uh, in the major leagues just now um he's he's had a really strong start especially in obp or slug type formats uh to his early career i don't know how his glove will play at second base if that's where he uh, ultimately settles but there's definitely an opening for playing time for him at least there um how you feeling about michael chavez
0: yeah, I actually, uh, I he was uh, one of the players I wrote about during our preseason rankings, and I mean it was kind of a an hour and effort thing for him. Like, is he? I mean, you're talking about a first round draft pick back in 2014, and it's is he going to be able to do this at, at major league level? Is he even going to be able to produce enough to get that call up? And I mean, if you look at his numbers in the past, you know, the, the, I feel like. 2017 was great in, in terms of um, the power of 31 home runs, 94 RBIs. That's nothing, you know, short, uh, you know, that's, that's great. It, it's nothing to think that was a fluke. And, you know, the power has always been there for him. You know, 2018, he, he definitely dealt with some things. Only so only had 170 at-bats. But, you know, again, he looked good, finally got the call. You know what he does remind me of, too? Um, I don't necessarily know if he's – I mean, he's going to have to stick at second base. I mean, Devers is going to be there at at third base, and you know, he's he's uh, again he has yet to you know leave the park with the long ball, but I mean, he's looked good. Contact's been there. smider issues, so you know, you see Chavis there at second. That's where he's going to be, and. The thing about him, it reminds me a lot of, of uh, Mike Mustakis in his bill, you know, short and stocky, almost looks like a catcher up there. But, you know, this could be a nice little boost that Boston needed. Uh, I mean, you had um, – why am I forgetting his name? A um, uh, second baseman in Boston. Uh, Pedroia. We had – you know, they had Pedroia there forever. And, I mean, he's done. And, you know, he kept trying to make his uh, his way back. But, you know, the injuries are just there. And he – it, it, it's just dumb with him, and I, I think this gives him uh, a shot, you know, in the arm, a, a breath of fresh air, getting another young guy in there that has that power potential. And like you said too, he has left the yard now twice. And if you look at the numbers, yeah, the average may not be crazy, but the strikeouts were no, no concern. And you know, a lot of things he was hitting the ball, and now I mean, you got that average up to two. Or uh, excuse me, uh, uh, should be what right around a two fifty now. Or excuse me, uh, right around the low twenties there, but. Again, another great young player that's looking like he's going to stay there. Yeah, and then
1: uh, one more team calling up two prospects. Uh, it, it, the one that I think most people want to know about is Cole Tucker. Uh, is Cole Tucker an interesting middle infield option? Because I think he he has a chance to be at least that. But is Cole Tucker an interesting middle infield option in league's or does he have the ability to be uh, more than just that, uh, and more than just a, a nice player and really contribute in speed uh, and potentially a little bit of power down the road? Uh, any thoughts on, on Cole Tucker or, or Brian Reels, for that matter?
0: Yeah, I think Cole Tucker, you know, he'll have the chance to, to develop you know, power over time. I mean, if you look at what he can do, uh, I mean, he's got – those, that long body that allows him to get long strides. In. And, I mean, he's in the minor league that speed is one of his top things. And, you know, if you look at his build, is very, very similar to Adelberto uh, Mondesi out there in Kansas City. I don't necessarily know if he's as talented as him, but, I mean, coming out of the first round, you, you would think so. But I, I think he could develop into a 2020 player. There's no doubt about it. Again, a lot of times that power will come later on in a player's career. And I mean, the speed is there. He went deep in his first game as a big leader. So that's pretty exciting. So he's definitely a player um, uh, to keep an eye on. And again, struggles will be there at at, at times, but uh, I mean, so far, and I mean, with the strikeouts too, I mean, he is striking out. He's got six strikeouts and 17 at bats. And it's over uh, 30%. So again, Temper expectations, but the speed's real. And if you look at what he's done in the minor leagues, he can hit I don't know if he's going to hit for a crazy average, but, you know, we we could definitely see 2020 credential. I don't know if it'll be this season, but next year for sure. sure. And then uh, you you said the other player was? Uh, Brian Reynolds, uh,
1: right? He, he was called up for the Pirates on the same day, right? That's correct.
0: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, again, you're, you're seeing, you know, a lot of these guys come up, and you know, with Reynolds too, he's coming out of a university that I feel we're talking about. Players are, are coming out constantly in Vanderbilt, you know, and with him, I think this does give them options too. Especially being a switch-hitting outfielder, uh, it, it, it does uh, give them the option where you don't, you know, you can play him regardless of who's pitching. And you know, if you look at his minor league stats as well, I mean, the dude is a career 300 hitter. He has shown that he can hit for pop two, and he's another guy at six three two zero five. Him and Tucker are, are, are nearly the same size, too. So I think both of them give them options. They're high draft picks for Pittsburgh. So, you know, getting these guys up early, you know, it, it gives them the chance to play. And we've seen numerous injuries. Planko just came back off the injury list for them. So, you know, it, it's going to give them another look, give them some uh, youth, to that lineup, I'm not saying they're owned by any means, but again, whereas Tucker gives them speed, and I think down the line we'll see that power come with him, but already with uh, Reynolds, there, there's no reason why he can't be a 25-plus home run hitter.
1: Definitely good stuff there. All these players seem like they're uh, uh, people that we should be looking out for. Um, now, if you tuned into last week's show, you know that we spent the whole time talking about uh, performances that we wanted to get into through April, uh, and I think April a good time to go over these performances because you know people do make maybe their most significant changes in the off season, and it's important to to see uh, where these trends are uh, now and, and maybe potentially get ahead of some of them. Uh, so. We'll again go into it, do some fast starts, do some slow starts, uh, and and talk about what we do or don't believe. Uh, uh, We'll start with a pair of twins, uh, Eddie Rosario and Jorge Polanco. Uh, Eddie Rosario is tied with Chris Davis for the American League League in home runs with 10. Uh, He's also second in RBI with 23. Um, Jorge Polanco, on the other hand, uh, doesn't necessarily have the, the counting stats, but he is 17th uh, in the majors and expected weighted on base average, uh, which is just uh, StatCast's expected statistics way of saying in many ways that he's been the 17th best hitter so far this year. Uh, based on their StatCast metrics, he has a 312 expected batting average and a 619 expected slugging percentage, so uh, while that does say he's been a little bit fortunate, what he what he's earned so far this year uh, is quite uh, a significant uh, hitter. Um, any thoughts on on these twins? I, I think this lineup is going to be a nightmare for right-handers, or at least a, a a bigger nightmare than I think many people thought coming in uh, to the year. Uh, how about you, Kyle? Uh, I
0: agree, and it's you know, and and, and that's what makes them deadly—that they can be a nightmare. And you you're, you see a majority. Uh, right-handed starters, and then being able to hold these left-handed bats out there. I mean, it's just it, it it gives them the advantage. Now, the thing is too with uh, with Rosario. I mean, age twenty-seven with him, and I, I believe he's one of the underrated players. I say I say twenty-seven too. That's just giving a little props to Joe. I know because his favorite age for a, a ball player is twenty-seven. A lot of a lot of times, that's when you see guys have some career years or, or really start putting it together and. I mean, if you look at Rosario now, I mean he's headed for 20 plus home runs for a third consecutive year. You know, last year at 24, 27 the year before that, and right around that, you know, high 280s, 290 average. And you know he's underrated. I mean, he gives you the home runs. He's giving you the RBIs. He gets close to double, digit, uh, excuse me, double digit stolen bases every year. And I mean, it's not like he's striking out at a crazy level. He does keep home runs pretty respectable. So you know, he's a, he's a very underrated guy. I, I think after you see a lot of players coming off. Uh, the board's outfielders in fantasy, you, you get a guy like him too. And you know what I like about Rosario is his ability to get those extra base hits too. I mean, 31 home par doubles last year, 33 the year before, you know, he, he, he was really legging out the, uh, the triples, his rookie year back in 2015. So he he gives them a lot of options of what he can do. Um, I, I really like that. And I, I know the guy you're definitely uh, high on with Jorge Polanco. Uh, I mean, I, I, if you would ask me at the beginning of the year if I would have seen something like this, I probably would have said no. Not, not you know, not the heart, heart excuse me, hot start he's having. I mean, the guy's are just hitting short of 370. You know, and his OBP again over 420. That's phenomenal, and he's easily, what was it two years ago, 13 home runs. He already has five this year. There's no reason why he's not going to have a career year here for them, and you know, very, very underrated. He puts the bat the ball and you, you know what i like too i was watching a few of his at bats recently not only does he switch hitter, but he can barrel the ball often from both sides of the plate and i think that's what makes him so deadly is the fact that you know he may not necessarily you, you see guys you, um, that you're seeing more power from one side of the plate. you see better contact with there but I, I was really impressed with what i saw from both sides of the plate from blanco
1: yeah, I didn't think his slugging percentage would necessarily take a, a leap this big. Uh, but one of the things I really liked about him when I got into looking at film between this off-season Jorge Polanco uh, is that he was really good on fastballs. He had a really low whiff percentage and a relatively high slugging percentage. A uh, slugging percentage that was about 40 points higher than his overall slugging percentage uh, on four-seam fastballs. Uh, and it's I think it's really hard to get a fastball by this guy. He has really quick hands, really quick wrists. And he seems to really be looking, especially this year, uh, for fastballs. You know, uh, but w- what he's done that I haven't necess- didn't necessarily expect, uh, even though I was high on him uh, personally coming into the year, is that he's taken all these skills and he he's translated it into even more power uh, than I really thought uh, he had. And I, I kind of think it's here to stay because I think these home runs he's hitting are are, are very legitimate. Uh, and the way I've seen him get a handle of some of these fastballs uh, is, is relatively impressive to me. Um, you know, I was watching one of his or his most recent game against Justin Verlander when he hit the home run against him, um, and Verlander fell back three uh, one, and you could just see him sitting fastball. And, and Verlander threw it ninety five, ninety six, but it, it wasn't necessarily the best location. And I mean, he just hit it. He hit it really hard, and he's been he's been sitting on those fastballs, and and I've also seen him you know, make good adjustments to, to off-speed pitches as well. So I think he's a guy, uh, he's not 27, but he is 25, uh, Turns 26 in, in July, and I think he's a guy uh, potentially taking uh, some some major next steps. Uh, we'll move on from the Twins and, and go into some uh, Texas Rangers, or, or at least one in Jody Gallo. Uh, he's hitting for a much better batting average than usual. Uh, now, his, his Babbitt is about 100 points higher, than we're used to seeing it, but he's also put up uh, zero pop-ups and uh, an incredible hard percentage and soft percentage so far uh, on fan graphs. Um, You know, I don't think that he's going to hit 270, 280, 290 uh, at all, really. Even at 200, he's proven himself a viable fantasy option. So if he can move up even to 230, 240, he'd be an even more impressive option uh, and that's really, I think, or at least in my opinion, what we're talking about here. Um, you know, do you think there's some legitimacy, uh, or maybe even even more legitimacy than I do, uh, in this in this Joey Gallo hot streak?
0: It, it's really hard to buy into. I, I mean, if you look at the strikeouts he has, and I mean, right now with the you know the career low uh, whiff rate at sixteen point eight, or at least it was a few days ago. I don't, I don't necessarily think this is something he can keep up all season. I understand there are outliers where you're going to see a guy. Uh, even Chris Davis had a season where he had respectable average. We've seen in the past Adam Dunn have one good season where, he, or a few good seasons where he had a solid uh, batting average. But I mean, nothing really that we've seen is, or in the past at least, uh, made us believe that Gallo was going to have a a solid batting average. I, would, I wouldn't I would be shocked if at the highest he gets up around 240 to, to end the season. I can see that. But anything that, over that, I just don't see it happening. Again, we're only in April. There's a lot of players we talk about struggling off the hot starts. And, you know, it's hard to buy stock on uh, a lot of players, especially when there is a track record for them. And, again, it being April – Pitchers still, a lot of pitchers aren't where they're going to be here after the, even four more starts. We're going to really see them feeling good, too. So, you know, it's something to pay attention to. I, I, I think it's great what we have seen from Joey Gallo. I mean, uh, today, as of right now, I mean, he's hitting, what, 284, three ninety three, six eighty nine, slashing OPS over 1,000. I just I, I just don't know how much stock and I, I can buy into this last thing for an entire season. All right, and then um, I think I agree with you. I think
1: that's what I was getting at at the beginning of it. You know, maybe he can – and that's really what you're hoping for. Maybe he can hit better than 200. Maybe he can hit 220, 230. I really don't think he hits that next tier of average. But, you know, if if he can keep his pop-up numbers down and if he can improve his bad ball profile, you know, who knows? Maybe he can, but uh, those whiff percentages are absolutely astronomical. And once again, his BABIP is, is is a full 100 Uh, points higher than his career average to date Um, move on to a couple of Cubs um, at least one in Daniel Descalso, Uh, I think we covered Jason Hayward in the last show if we didn't we can talk about him potentially a little bit, Um, but I think the, the interesting one uh, for right now, since, since I think we covered Hayward, is Daniel Descalso. Uh, he has a high walk percentage in his career. He's always uh, taken a lot of pitches. Always been someone who gets quality at bats. Um, but he was someone who was on a couple of my flyer lists coming into the season because, you know, he had a 43% uh, over a 43% hard contact percentage uh, on fan graphs last year. Uh, he's a- actually matching that number almost exactly so far this year, putting him at two straight years with a 43-plus percent hard contact percentage. Now, I don't quite believe in his batting average and Babbitt uh, being what they are, uh, but I think he could be a little bit better th- than the player that we've seen so far in his, his career, and he he at times gets, gets some pretty high lineup prioritization uh, for the Cubs. So uh, any, any thoughts on Daniel Descalso?
0: Yeah, and uh, I mentioned that, uh, or th- that's what I was going to get at. I-, I mean, he's had a solid start to the season. I don't know how much stock we can buy into. It. There's no way that batting average is going to stay around 300. But I mean, he has shown the ability to take walks, and you know that that's what this team needs. And he's also shown the ability to get on base. We've already seen him come up clutch in the later innings. Uh, again, I think bringing him in was uh, more than you know, more than just getting on base, but. You know, most importantly, just a veteran to bring in the locker room with this team. That's what Theo and Jed really wanted to do. They brought him in, and, you know, so far so good. And, you know, again, I think if you're looking for some depth on your your fantasy roster and, you know, for a middle infielder too, again, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of pop. But, you know, I was – I was facing injuries with Francisco Lindor and another, uh, you know, just a number of other players, and just seeing that he started off hot, Hayward, I'm just like, oh, I'll grab him. Sounds like a homer, but, you know, I, I did grab them for the time being. But, again, this is another player that I just don't think that we'll see. Um, I, I, again, he's never had a season where he's had over 400 at-bats. Is it going to be this season? I don't know. Probably not. They'd really need, you know, something to happen to see him get that uh, everyday starting job, but I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know for sure how the playing time is going to shake out in that situation. Um, I think one of the most most interesting or at least potentially polarizing uh, breakouts we've seen so far this season is Christian Walker uh, getting time with, with some injuries. He's hit quite a few home runs recently. Um, I have some distinct thoughts that I've been putting out recently on, on Christian Walker. Um but i'm i'm interested to see uh to hear what you, what you think about uh the the Diamondbacks first baseman Kyle
0: so i have liked what i've seen i mean he was ready to come up a year ago but you you, you got to remember too with a player like him you had Paul Goldschmidt there and i mean he could have come up 2017 again Paul Goldschmidt was there 2018 Paul Goldschmidt was there i like what i have seen I mean, the minors, he did have a respectable average. You know, his OBP, 352. I I, I do like that. He's always been known to have power. And now that he's getting the playing time, I think it's been phenomenal. But, uh, again, if you you look at, for, for me, those home runs, I like the fact that he has been able to help this team score in the later innings. I think, if I'm not mistaken, all seven of his home runs have come in the fifth inning or later. So he really puts it together. And, you know, what do we talk about, too? When you're getting in that that those the, around the fifth or sixth inning, you are going to finally start seeing guys getting that at bat number three against a starting pitcher, and we, we you know we hear that often. That's a no-no, especially in this day and age, with starters not going as many innings. You don't a lot of these managers don't want starting pitchers um, seeing uh, a lineup for the third time up, and you know, like I said, for him to do that, I, I do know that he has done some damage against relievers too i think he's been great do i think he can keep it up for all season you know i i wouldn't be shocked if we do see eventually see that batting average come you know closer to that 280 range 270 280 but i mean his obp i I don't see why he can't keep it you know right around that uh, 325, 340 range which i think is respectable and and playing out there in arizona too i mean there's no reason why you know, he, you can't see some significant power numbers coming from him. Yeah, that's really,
1: I think, what everyone who's been getting into to Christian Walker has been getting into is the fact that his his hard contact percentages are absolutely incredible. They're some of the best that we've seen uh, uh, in this small sample. Uh, I think they are the best in the league right now. Some of his exit velocities uh, are some of the best. Um and and i also think he he's definitely made a change in his stance it's physical you can see it he stands more um more even uh so to speak uh with his feet um and i and i think it's helped him stay back on the ball i think it's helped him reach uh pitches to the outside uh and drive the ball uh all that said i have significant concerns i think still when it comes to christian walker um the whiff percentage is still just really high to me i think there's a chance that he becomes uh or, or goes back to rather uh being a 30 percent strikeout guy uh and then while overall whiff percentage i can kind of get over his forcing fastball with percentage uh is remarkably high uh it's over 20 percent um and and, uh, and it's still over 20 percent and it was uh in his samples before he's also uh been a, an uncharacteristically terrible uh, hitter against change so far this uh, so far in his career rather um, all, all, all of these are kind of small sample things but I'm just kind of curious to see um, if he's the kind of guy who is having a, a, a good year at 28 uh, on some some bad pitches or or if he's the kind of guy who's going to start getting uh, scouted uh, schemed game planned uh, and, exactly and, and wants... To, and, yeah and, and once pitchers start taking him seriously uh, I, I think you know it, it's hard it's a hard kind of comparison to throw out there and, and people you know get upset about it but there was a hitter last year who in april had hit 320 with eight home runs and then in may hit 170 with seven home runs and then in november went to nippon to play for the nippon professional the professional baseball league in japan uh, and, and that player is Christian Villanueva. Uh, and I don't think it's entirely outside of the realm of possibility that Christian Walker is this year's Christian Villanueva, who, who starts out uh, and has that 320 uh, April and follows it up with with that 170 May. Um, moving on to some other players, um, Shane Green has had uh, an absolutely shocking start um, you know, partially it's just obviously the opportunity. Um, I'm sure if Edwin Diaz had 11 or so save opportunities, he would have 11 or so saves. Um, but he's also, you know, been able to close all of those games effectively, which, which does say something. Uh, however, you know, there's always the chance of the trade on the horizon, and, and that trade can either put him uh, in a different closing position or alternatively could, uh, could take him out of the running position, for saves depending on where he goes uh, Jeff Samarja also a pitcher having an incredible start to his season uh, at the time of our uh, page that we wrote up here he was sitting at a 3.00 ERA one one five whip and a 24-9 K to BB um, anything to add on these pitchers?
0: I thought it was interesting if you would have told me, you know, at the start of the season, Sean Green – excuse me, Sean Green. Shane Green would be leading the league in saves, so there's no way. But, you know, one thing about this Detroit team, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I don't know if anyone was for that fact, but they've actually been pretty competitive. I mean, they, they, you know, they've, they've put the ball the bat on the ball, and, you know, they've, they've done real well. And I, I think some of the starts they've got out of their starting pitchers have been solid. But, yeah, Shane Green, I would I would have to say – if he keeps this up for another two or three weeks, you're going to see a team make a move for him. I don't know if that's going to be the Braves. I don't know if that's going to be the Cubs. I don't know. It can be a number of teams. But, I mean, once that deadline's up, the team no longer has to forfeit a compensatory pick for Kimbrell, I can see whichever team does not sign uh, Craig Kimbrell will probably make a a run at Shane Green. But, I mean, right now he's been – He's been solid. He's been a great asset for fantasy baseball. But like you mentioned, the thing is wherever he ends up going, is he going to step in and assume that closers role more than likely, if you don't go to a team that absolutely needs a closer or, you know, if he doesn't go to one of those teams, probably not, you're going to see him more of that uh, seven, eight, uh, seven, eighth inning, a role, More than, you know, resume. He might be able to sniff a few saves here, but I mean, right now you're riding high with him and you know, what I like to see too from him right now, uh, I mean he is getting those swings and misses, and you know he's only given up one home run. Whereas you know he, that's the thing, keeping the ball in the ballpark for a closer. And you know uh, if you look at his whip too, you know he has been hittable in the past. I mean you, you're talking about a guy who had a one three whip last year, one three seven, I should say, one two four, one three two. So the thing is, guys are able to get hits on him. But right now he's a sub one whip. Again, I don't think that will last for an entire season, but right now he's been a, a pretty solid story. And then on the other end too, with uh, Jeff Samarja, I don't know how much stock I can put into it. Uh, I mean, uh, another guy too, that's always had a, 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 a higher a whip for them for the most part. And you know, he, last year was just a, a horrendous season for him. You know, again, he wasn't healthy for the season, but he has been, you know, he's been no stranger to giving up home runs. And I, I think that's what you know, has been a key for him is just keeping that ball in the ballpark. You're seeing a whip that hasn't been this low in a very long time. Uh, and, and I mean, with him too, he's never really walked a high amount of guys. The strikeouts have always been there. If he's feeling healthy and he's feeling it, I think he could be a very solid Addition, but again, once it starts to warm up and hitters start really putting it together too, I don't know if I can really buy into what we're seeing right now. Sounds good, Kyle. Um,
1: now uh, we'll move on from the, those pitchers and, and look at. Uh, we didn't have these guys listed, but but before we move on to the slow starts, uh, just a few more names to throw out there that are uh, having some starts we uh, didn't necessarily uh, anticipate. Um Hunter Dozier is one. Paul Dejong, oh, who's also batting high up in that, that lineup. Uh Josh Bell, who was a, a switch hitting first base prospect quite a while back. Questions about if he would develop the power, doing well so far this year. Uh Tim Anderson, you know, hasn't changed his stripes, so to speak. Still is the same K to B B guy, but the numbers so far. Um and then, you know, just one other Different kind of throwing at the end there. Alex Gordon has just had an incredible start to the season, numbers wise. Um, anything to add on, on just any of these players in, in general? Somebody stick out out to you?
0: Yeah, I, I think Hunter Dozier has been a, 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 a very solid. Uh, uh, addition I mean for he was he's been ready for a number of years to really you know get the the call and, and finally with him having an open a position to actually play on this team and he's going to have that full season of that bats. you know we're, we're seeing something great now with the batting average I just I don't necessarily know if it'll stay that high he's never really led us to believe in the past that you know he can hit for a high average and he's always you know a, 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 he's always had a, a a higher strikeout rate than you'd really want. So, you know, right now he is keeping it uh, solid. And you know what I like, too, is for a fact with a guy that has in the minor league shown the ability to hit for power but also shown the ability to strike out is the fact that on this season, 17 strikeouts, but he also has 13 walks. So I feel he really has had a a solid um, eye up there at the plate, and, you know, he could be comfortable. Maybe this is what he needed to really be able to put it together, but I, I would have to imagine that, you know, we would see that average come down. I I wouldn't be shocked if we see him by the end of the year and around that 250, 260 range. The home runs are going to be there. There's no question about it. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him get 230 home runs. But the thing is, too, with this team, he has seven home runs, only 12 RBI. So what does that tell you? A lot of these home runs are coming you know, sole shots and not a lot of guys on base. And, you know, that was one of my questions about this team entry. You know, do they have enough to get on base? Can they get on base consistently? And, you know, with him, you're seeing these home runs, but I, I think we do a lot more justice for fantasy owners, too, if you're getting a lot more RBIs with those home runs that he's posted. Um, on the other end, too, seeing Tim Anderson, I mean, he, there's a reason why, you know, the White Sox gave him the contract when they did He's finally putting together, and he's locked in, too. And I, I, I think the the talent's always been there. But I think, you know, it, it really truly has been more of a, a learning thing with him um, compared to a lot of other guys that come in and just immediately put it together. Um, what was I going to say on that? Um, coming in uh, when he did, you know, uh, again, Started in, in, in 2016 for him, but you could see him strike out a, a high rate. 2017, 116, uh, excuse me, 162 strikeouts, you know, and, and then last season, 149. But he's put it together, you know, 16 strikeouts, two walks. I can live with that. You know, the thing is, though, with him, he's putting the bat on the ball. And you know what I like, too, is that he can use his legs. So he's been a, a pretty uh, exciting player to see thus far.
1: Yeah, Tim Anderson definitely, um, you know, what's really interesting, I think, for our fantasy game is if he continues to run rampant on the base pass like he has, he'll definitely at least have the opportunity to be a, a big value from fantasy leagues. From Hunter Dozier, what I'm looking for is, um, has he really became a better selector of pitches? Has he really became a better judge of the strike zone? Or or is he just being patient right now? Um, his swing percentage is down overall, but it's down kind of, Proportionally, O swing and Z swing. Usually, I like to see uh, people, you know, chase left, but still chase less rather, uh, and still, you know, swing at the ball in the zone, close to the same amount of time. Uh, at least, that's the ideal uh, for me to believe it quickly. Um, I can believe in his ability to be better in terms of lock percentage, but in order for me to believe he's a 10% guy moving forward, I'm just going to need a bigger sample, uh, or I'm just going to have to watch a lot more of his plate appearances and judge for myself how, how his eye is on judging these pitches. Um, so that, that does it for us with the fast starts. Uh, but before we move on to the slow starts, I'd like to remind our audience about our partner Thrive Fantasy. ThriveFantasy.com is a, a different model uh, of the daily fantasy game that offers prop bets instead of the salary platform, Um, you can go to thrivefantasy.com or majorleaguefantasysports.com and click on the Thrive Fantasy link and put in the promo code MLFS uh, and they will match your first $10. Uh, That's the promo code MLFS at thrivefantasy.com or by going to majorleaguefantasysports.com and clicking the Thrive Fantasy link. We are also seeking members for our 2019 Fantasy Football Leagues uh, these are competitive leagues, and we look to cast this net out very early. Uh, you can email Corey D. Roberts at Major League Fantasy Sports at Gmail.com for more information. That's Major League Fantasy Sports at Gmail.com. And if you like the work we do here, either in writing or on this show, go to Patreon.com slash Major League Fantasy Sports. That's Patreon.com slash Major League Fantasy Sports. So we have a couple slow starts listed here, uh, and we'll begin with uh, a couple first basemen in the NL Central, Jesus Aguilar and Anthony Rizzo. Now, I'm not too worried about Rizzo in particular, um, proven veteran, been slow out of the gate the last couple of years, as most of us Cubs fans will know. The one I'm concerned about, is Jesus Aguilar. And I was concerned about Jesus Aguilar coming into the season. I was pretty low on him comparatively um, because, you know, as a first baseman that doesn't provide defensive uh, value, I think the worry is what his utility is if they can't continuously prove that he's way better than Eric Thames when it comes to versus right hand pitching. Uh, We're starting to see him get benched a couple times. I believe he got benched two games in a row recently uh, versus righties. Um, I don't think it's necessarily time to panic, um, though in a lot of people's opinion it is. A lot of people are are dropping Aguilar in a lot of different league contexts. Um, I know you wrote a piece about Jesus Aguilar recently. Um, What do you think? Can can he recapture it, or is is this this year's Domingo Santana and Eric Thames from the previous two years of the Milwaukee Brewers?
0: I don't believe so um I, I mean if you look at it there are some numbers that do immediately stand out i mean if you look at his soft percentage i mean it is it, it skyrocketed compared oh i shouldn't say skyrocketed but it is high significantly higher um this season compared to last year i mean it's it's almost it's, it's over six percent higher so that is concerning. that medium percentage is right around where it has been and even in his hard percentage i mean it is down five percent which is Definitely not something I want to see, but, you know, I, I think that over time he will start getting things to go his way. I I mean, for, you know, if you're looking at where he's hitting the ball too, I mean, he is trying to use the opposite part of the field. Those strikeouts really haven't been a crazy concern for me. But if you look at that, Babbitt, yeah, I mean, he's at 196, you know, and, and his Woba is down as well. But, I, I mean, for me, I think a lot of it has done – or has to do with getting unlucky. I mean, the context there, it's not like he's swinging at anything, uh, you know, at an incredibly different rate compared to last year. One thing, though, that does strike out is that, that swing strike rate, which is a little bit higher, taking that first pitch strike. So, you know, you know what that tells me, too, seeing that a little bit higher in, in, compared to years past is you, know, you, you can't let pitchers get ahead of you. When you do that and you're getting letting them get that first strike on you, it, it's going to change the sequence of it at bat. So you go up 2-0 on a pitcher. Well, you know, that you're more than likely not going to see an off-speed pitch. Will they still try to pitch you outside? Probably, but they're probably going to go with the fastball. So, you know, that gives you, you know, a, a little bit of a, a head start on the pitcher And if he's trying to come back on you. Now, for me too. One thing we look at these numbers. I know I got beat up on the article uh, this, uh, this past week, but you know, guys were talking. Oh, I think it's mechanical. I think about it's mechanical. I asked, well, what is, what do you see that's mechanically different? Not a single person could answer. If you look at his swing, it's almost the same. I feel a lot of it is. You know, he he may be just missing some of those pitches by a centimeter. Will he figure it out? Yeah. But one of the things that I I think that no number is going to tell us is he's pressing. He knows. He knows. Everyone knows it's no secret he's struggling, he knows that too, Well, when you're struggling, you start to put more pressure on yourself. you really do, and because of that too you you know he he's, he may start swinging at things that he doesn't normally do or he he'll normally swing at because he wants to get out of this funk that he's in so you know because of that and and you look at some of these things these these numbers are different, but it's not like they're they're significantly different, especially early out in season it's it's April. If you don't think this guy's power is is real, uh, I I mean, I don't know what to tell anyone. I mean, yeah, the home runs were absolutely phenomenal last year in the RBIs. But, you know, if if you look at the K percentage right now, it's not anything different than it was last year. Last year was lower than the year before. But, I mean, for him, yeah, he's going to get – there are going to be games like we saw where – you know, he's going to have to take a seat on the bench and, and let Dames go up there and do his thing, which we've already seen. But, you know, it's such a small sample size looking at 2017, 2018, and now, where it's not like there's a long track record. It's only April again. I just I, – I can't see him struggling like this. I don't I don't see him being Thames of last year, being Santana uh, the, uh, the year before that. I think he's going to put it together. He may not – uh, he may not – Reached 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, but I would be shocked. I would like, I'd I'd say it now, I would not be shocked if he doesn't hit, or if he hits, or I should say, I would be shocked if he hits less than 25 home runs this season.
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely better than he's shown so far. I definitely think the power is legitimate. Um, you know, I think my, my concerns more stem from from the team he's on, I think, because there's so many left-handed infielders on Milwaukee that I think the level of competition that he has to get to uh, to continuously get that that those at-bats is so high. You know, I think they're going to add more people to the infield than they're going to subtract. Speaking specifically of uh, Keston Jaira uh, at some point in this season, um, you know, uh, Jesus Aguilar has always been a really good fastballs hitter. Um, has always struggled a little bit more on pitches that aren't fastballs. Uh, and, and I do just I just concern myself a little bit that him and Thames are a little too close to one another uh, in talent range when Thames has the platoon advantage uh, versus when Aguilar does not, and that's against right-handed pitcher, uh, which is the majority of the bats. Again, I, I think it would be more easy – for me to believe uh, in the safety in Aguilar if he was just on any other team uh, that wasn't Milwaukee, a team that con- t- consistently proves to us that they're willing to move on from these guys uh, who do so well for the, from them. Um, but we'll move on to, to uh, another player, another corner infielder, uh, and another guy who, who's been a little disappointing this year. Now, in terms of batting average and OBP, um, in terms of K percentage, you know, Rafael Devers has not been too bad so far this year, but he's yet to hit his first home run. And he also hasn't been able to produce much in terms of ex- extra base hits, excuse me. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of things in his numbers that are encouraging, uh, especially in his KBB type stuff, um, but he also hasn't had the the greatest um, – you know, results come back from his expected numbers from from like stat cast and such with expected batting average, uh, expecting slugging and stuff or and such. So, uh, what do you think about Rafael Devers? Is, is he just missing pitches? Uh, is is his power going to come as it, as it warms up? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, people might be scratching their heads like, why why would you put him on a slow start? I I, I was it was more or less saying a slow start in, in in terms of the the power. But I will say one thing for him, I have liked. If you look at that OBP, 365 is nothing to blink at either. He is taking walks. You know, he may have 15 strikeouts on the season in in 83 at-bats, but he has 12 walks. So, for me, that is showing that he is being so active uh, as well. He's only 22 years old. My thing is, it's slow in terms of power, but what he has done, I have liked seeing the, the adjustments. He is taking walks. He is uh, taking what the pitcher has given him. And, you know, I think that's very important, too, for the growth of him. Um, the power is going to come. I mean, there are going to be adjustments. Like we talked about with, with uh, a lot of – like like um, uh, my, uh, Walker, too. You're talking about when a scouting report comes in. Well, now uh, teams have a full scouting report on them. I mean, you get a, you get a full year of at-bats, 450 last season. The year before that, only 222. So now you're seeing that. You are seeing him get uh, pitch a little bit different in, in, in terms of, of, of what you see. You're talking about left-handed batter. Teams will try to pitch him on the outside part of the plate. But because of that, too, I think over time he will get better at handling pitches on the outside part of the plate. You see that. Now, if you see that, a lot of the contact outside part of the plate is weaker. But in, in, in time, I promise you that he, he will uh, get more – of that barrel on the ball, uh, yeah, on the ball on the outside part of the plate. So it's a learning curve for him. That was my whole thing. Slow so we'll start in terms of power, but I have liked what I, I've seen from him in, in terms of getting on base, being selective, not just going up there and wanting to swing for the fences. I mean, if you did see that, he had sub 250 batting average, sub 300 OBP last year. Not what you want to see, but he is learning then. I, I have liked to see that slow in terms of again the home runs. But those are definitely going to come in in time. But I have liked what I have seen in, in terms of his pitch, a pitch selection up there at the plate. Yeah, Rafael Devers is a really interesting
1: one because, you know, I think what I heard a lot in the offseason that I didn't necessarily like is that people kept saying, "Well, what he did last year, he did. He did at this age," um, and I completely agree with that in the fact that I, I love Devers in dynasty and I love Devers in long-term, and I think that he's got so long get from uh, wherever he has been and wherever he is to to wherever he'll eventually get to um, as a baseball player. But he's still that age. Like, whatever he does this year, we'll be able to say, well, Devers did that and he was only 22 because he's still incredibly young. So I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility that, you know, I, I think he could have been – not necessarily overdrafted coming into this year, um, but, but drafted with a bit of a, a sense that, that, that there was a safety that we haven't really seen yet. Because last year he was pretty bad. He, he had an under 300 OBP, uh, didn't have a whole lot of home runs. That's turning around so far this year. He's making better contact, um, hitting for a higher average, taking more walks. So we're definitely seeing some improvements, and I think the power will come. Um, but I think what we have to remember is that you know Devers wasn't just young last year, and he isn't just young this year, and he won't be just young next year. I mean, this is one of the youngest players um, when he debuted uh, that that we see in the at the major league level, uh, and, and he could continue to have these kind of you know age age differences. You know, we're the Devers is the kind of player that like four years from now we're going to be used to him being around. Uh, and we're going to say, how old is he? And it's going to be like, wow, he's still only 27 years old. Um, and then moving on to, you know, the other side, but but also on the Boston Red Sox, uh, Chris Sale finally had his first solid start of the season, at least in terms of strikeouts. Didn't go too deep into that game. But um, have you seen anything in particular that, that you wanted to point out when it came to Chris Sale? Or, or what are your thoughts on, on him and his slow start so far?
0: Yeah, so uh, a lot of times when, when, when pitchers are struggling, you know, we, t- we talk about their velocity. And, you know, now we're so wrapped up in injuries and everyone throwing extremely hard. We know how hard sales thrown in the past. But, you know, when we see a dip in, in velocity, we automatically assume that there's an injury. My thing is, yes, he did have some fatigue here and there. You know, he has battled back from issues. You know, last year we we, we talked about issues that he was having, you know, but we, you know, we saw, you know, him in in the playoffs as well. There's a lot of innings. Yeah. I mean, when you win the world series, you're, 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 I mean, you're going deep into the year. I'm not making excuses for anyone, but one thing I will say, when you do see a dip in velocity, coaches are going to work on mechanics. They're going to work on different ways you throw things. They're going to work on different pitches. You're going to talk about different grips on a baseball too. Well, if you're not used to throwing pitches a certain way, you're going to try to work on throwing that and you will see a little dip in velocity. I'm not saying that's the case with him, but so far what I've seen, he looked healthy. Again with the ten strikeouts, that was good to see. Um I feel like now this is two straight years we're like, oh no, is there, is there something wrong with him? If there's something wrong with him, if there's something wrong with him, we know they wouldn't go out there and pitch him. I promise you. Players are investments. You're not going to throw a guy out there to start if he's struggling and there's an injury. I should say if if there's an injury. So, you know, it's something that I like to see. He finally had that good start. I think he needed it too. Um, Like like I said too with Aguilar, you know, you you, you see these guys and, you know, they're pressing. They know they're struggling. They know everyone else is struggling, especially when you play in a a market like Boston like that. He, He knows what's going on. But I like what I saw from him. Again, it's not like he's walking a crazy amount of people. You know, he had two walks that, and he had one zero two two, and it starts prior. So, for me, I liked it. I feel he was locating pitches. And, you know, again, kept the ball in the ballpark for the most part. Give up one home run, one home run. The opening day start was kind of, ooh, you're like, whoa, 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 you know, three home runs. That's not what we want to see. But I liked it. I think it is good to see. Pitch count a little high still for me. I mean, used almost up around 100 uh Hundred pitch count in through five innings. I think that's one thing they are trying to make sure is that they can get him through these 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 games without getting a, an astronomical pitch count, just to keep him fresh. But again, this was good to see. I like the fact that those strikeouts were there.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I think I think as we get forward in the season, I still have some high hopes for Chris Sale. And, and even if I didn't, I, I've stuck with this idea from the very beginning that <clears throat> excuse me his, his draft prize and his skill set is such that there's really nothing you can do. you can either you know accept the fact um, you know you can try to sell low if you really want to but ultimately I don't I don't think that's going to uh, you know be the most likely move to pay off. I think the, the best thing to do is just to, to take the gamble uh, and say either this is going to be a, a high end upside uh, play for me or, or I'm going to lose, you know, uh, this, just this draft capital. Um, only a few more players. Again, the players that I added at the very end of the list. So I'll just bunch them all together here. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. A lot of sleeper lists had Jackie Bradley Jr. On them. A lot of people talking about, uh, swing changes and, and some exit velocity things. Uh, those haven't come to fruition so far. He, he's been very bad to start the season. Um, Marwin Gonzalez wasn't necessarily a player drafted um, or or highly drafted so much. But I think part of that is because he continued to slip and slip and slip down draft boards um, as he failed to sign with a team until late in the year. Um, And he's not only been not up to expectations, but he's been very bad. Um, So that's what got him on this list. Um, Yasiel Puig has been... um, pressing in, 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 I think, in my opinion, and and has been failing to to live up some pretty high expectations um, in what is a contract year for him. Miaceta Puig is a player that I think has a good amount of talent and ability to turn it around, but But right now, he he is legitimately struggling, and and the numbers uh, for him haven't been good so far. And then uh, we touched on this player a little bit earlier when we keyed him in the Nationals, but uh, Brian Dozier uh, hasn't had a slow start and obviously also had a a, a poor 2018 as well. So uh, any of of these players that uh, you want to touch on?
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I thought You know what you said too. I mean, with Dozier too. I mean, we're going to going to start to see a a, a slow decline for him. You know, at this point of it, in his age for him, we are going to see that decline. So you know, that's something to pay attention to. And I think there is a reason why you didn't see you know a player of his age, you know, a hot commodity in the uh, the free agent. Over the over the or free agency over the winter, Marin Gonzalez too. I mean, what he can do in terms of what he gives you, uh, you know, depth. He can play all over the the, the field, but uh, I mean, eventually, So we'll start for him. But I think if he gets comfortable and starts seeing more at bats rather than having this, you know, sitting that that uh, that bench role, you, you could see him pick it up. But uh, 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 again, the thing is, did they bring him in to be an everyday player? Probably not. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, so you're going to see him. They wanted to bring him in to do a lot of what he did for Houston. Well, with Houston, too, I mean, with the at-bats, he did get he did well with it. So I think if you see him get every day at-bats, you'll see him rebound. Again, just a slow start. But, I mean, what what really were, were people expecting from him? He's not a player I carried in drafts. I mean, if you look at last, or two years ago, too, with those at-bats and the 23 home runs, 90 yards, that was just a career year for him. That's what it was. You know, he he's always been a platoon player. They never gave him I shouldn't say I should say, you know, him coming up too, that's what the scouting report on him was. It wasn't that he was going to be an everyday starter at any position, but you know, he was going to be a platoon player, you know, give guy be breather here and there and you know that that's what we're seeing him back as. Last year, again, I thought he had a solid season, sixteen home runs, six yard RBI. Again, I think that's what we will see this year, probably get around that low team number maybe 50, 60 RBIs, that's where you're getting from Gonzalez.
1: All sounds good. Um, we'll move on to some some recaps of some Thursday series. Um, on our list here, we have uh, the Mets-Phillies series, uh, the Twins-Astros series, the Cardinals-Brewers series. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so um, just just whatever big point you want to start digging into uh, and, and just, just go for it, Kyle.
0: So you know, I, I like. I really liked seeing this with uh, I, I, the Phillies and the Mets. I mean, you're you're talking about a divisional uh, matchup for them. Uh, again, I, I really wanted to see how everyone would do. But I mean, what I noticed, from, I mean, Pete Alonzo's a real deal. You know, that's what I noticed throughout this entire season. that at bats he takes, the way he puts the, the the bat on the ball, and I know we talked about we hit on this last week. But I really, 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 really enjoy what I, what I've seen from him. Pitching, it was good to see. Uh, Matt uh, bounced back against Philly after the the, the, the you know the, the beating he took uh, a start or two ago. It was a good rebound from him. Uh, I feel like Arrieta pitched a, a solid game in that in the first uh, the, you know that first game of this series, but you know it was just that one mistake pitch. You know that homer up he gave up is you know that was kind of the the name for him. And then last week or excuse me yesterday too, especially for DFS. I said, you know, with with, with Vargas on the mound, he's, he, you know, you really should target these Philly bats, and, you know, that's exactly what we saw. I, I think for this Mets team, I, I, I really think that Vargas does not need to have a Job in this starting rotation I think on on this team that is one area I would try to uh, bring in Another starter or or try to figure out Whether it's in in house or or through Trade is you know really trying to Sure up that that starting spot That Vargas currently has because there's nothing That really leads me to believe that he's Going to be any kind of bright spot for The starting rotation
1: Yeah I actually Saw a few people complaining about Vargas and the fact that he's a guy That these Mets are trying to trot out here uh, every fifth day as a team who's trying to be competitive um you know this Phillies lineup obviously is looking like one of the best in the sport it 's so hard because they they continue to churn the lineup uh get through it continuously um and you have to go up against these top level hitters so many times um i i, I didn't know if you mentioned it i don't i don't think I heard you mention it, but Reese Hoskins actually set uh an m l b record i believe for potentially the the longest uh home run trot ever after he was thrown at. Um, I believe one, uh, one of the, the – or, excuse me, the relief pitcher who did it um, threw at his head has a two-game suspension. Um, so, so that obviously unfolded in, in the Mets-Phillies uh, series. Um, against, against the Twins, Justin Verlander had an absolutely uh, incredible start um, on the last game of that series, the, the one exception. In um, his start, was the Jorge Polanco home run that I, that I mentioned earlier? But otherwise, he was, he was in complete control. Um, did you did you happen to catch too much of uh, uh, this series, or, or what? People-
0: yeah, no, I, I I was looking more at uh, the pitching uh, matchups from this series. I like what I saw. I mean, you hit the nail on the head too with, with Verlander's start. That's definitely what what we you know, uh, become accustomed to. I, I thought, too, uh, seeing uh, the, the first game of the series Monday, seeing Odorizzi get the the win there, I, I thought it was good. Minnesota is going to compete. They're, you know, coming into the season, you know, we, we talked about it. They would be, you know, they're going to be able to compete. And uh, I saw a lot of experts having them uh, jump Cleveland in the standings, uh, you know, for this season. And, you know, seeing Minnesota be able to hang in there, especially that first game against Houston, I like that. I think that was a, a confidence booster for for them. Um, you know, it, it took a little bit of a beating uh, uh, at Tuesday's game, but, you know, it, it's going to be expected. I mean, if you look at Houston's lineup, I, I, I mean – you you' really looking from you know one through nine it's hard to find any any weak spot for the most the most part, but you know in 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 yesterday's start too i mean it, it's for a lander you know and, and you know one thing that you know we we saw him struggle with detroit we saw him come over and and find out the magic or you know re, re rekindle that magic you know with houston but i mean what he's been able to do the past few seasons since he went over to houston has been nothing short of spectacular so you know again especially you're gonna have to pay up in in dfs lineups but i mean right now i I don't know if you can name a a better pitcher to 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 get out there especially for uh, dfs lineups
1: yeah I, i agree and um We'll move on now to to some some series for this upcoming weekend. Um, I think the one that we put on the list that sticks out most to me in the upcoming series uh, is is the Colorado matchup against the Braves, uh, this one in Atlanta. I know they played recently in Colorado. Um, you have a Colorado offense that's finally starting to heat up. But I think what I'm most uh, in- excited about and intrigued about is uh, Max Fried. It, just in general, I've been been really excited watching him pitch recently. Uh, he's been a guy that I've been trying to uh, go out of my way and watch and try to figure out what I, what I make make of him excuse me, this year. Um, and then uh, according to, to my forecaster right here, I believe Saturday might signal the return uh, of Atlanta starting pitcher Mike fulton which would obviously be an interesting thing uh, to look forward to. So, uh, Kyle, uh, what are you interested in by this series?
0: Yeah, so I like the fact that Colorado, you know, they, they really started off slow, but you know, they got McMahon back off the DL. They got uh, David Dahl back off the I'm going to call it for DL. I don't care if everyone wants to call IO. It. It's still DL to me. You know, they get these two back and, you know, they, they start getting it going. Arenado starts feeling it. He starts going. I think it was, what, three games in a row that he hit a, had a home run. So, you know, they, they finally got healthy and they started putting it together. Now, like you said, too, Max Fried, I own him in two leagues. I think he's been nothing short of spectacular for this team. And, you know he he fits the mold of what Atlanta's really done with the pitchers they draft. Another guy at six four, a tall guy, lanky guy, gives him that 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 uh, you know that length in, in terms of when he's going to home plate. And again, I mean he's been phenomenal. I mean if you look at his WHIP, one point oh three. The guys, you know he eighteen strikeouts, only seven walks. I can live with that. That's phenomenal in twenty six innings pitch. And for him, he's kept the ball in the ballpark. Only one home run. I I think he's been phenomenal. three and oh. I wanna see I wanna see how he does against this uh this uh, Colorado lineup coming into Atlanta. I, I think it's gonna be exciting if you look at uh, uh game two for them. Uh where, where did I have it? Where did it go here? Oh yeah, so uh, and then, like you said, Bolton-Avich coming back, I think this is gonna be a boost from that, for for them too, especially getting their ace back. That's going to be great. And then, you know, Sunday's going to be good. I thought uh, Kevin Galsman fits extremely well his last time out. So, you know, if they could potentially be looking at a, 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 week, a weekend uh, sweep against Colorado. But, again, like I mentioned, it's going to be a solid test because you're seeing a Colorado offense that was absolutely, you know, putrid to start the season, not looking good at all, but they're healthy. They're looking good. And I think it's going to be a fun matchup for the weekend. Yeah, definitely.
1: And another uh, one of those most fun matchups for the weekend that we had listed uh, is, is the Cleveland Indians and the Houston Astros. Uh, this matchup's a four-game series that actually uh, is beginning right now at 0-0 in the top of the third um, with, with Trevor Bauer on the mound today. Uh, what you really get to focus in on, I think, um, in general, is, is this incredible Cleveland rotation uh, going up against this, this great Houston lineup. Uh, you, you have Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, uh, Shane Bieber, and Carlos Carrasco. The one I'm most interested in, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but the one I'm most interested in is Shane Bieber. Uh, he, he got blown up in his last start. He wasn't a guy that I was uh, the highest on compared to some, and I think he gives up a decent amount of uh, hard contact. But I do think he's a solid pitcher with some, some good upside, especially moving forward in the future. And I'm really interested to see, um, again, with, with another tough test for Shane Bieber, uh, how he does against this uh, this Houston Astros lineup. Uh, any comments on on, on this, this upcoming series from the weekend?
0: Yeah, I was going to mention that too with Bieber to see how he rebounds. I, I mean, you're talking about having a rough last start, and then what happens you're like, ah, oh, we, we get to face Houston, and we know what their offense can do. I, I think, you know, I brought this up because not only, you know, do we want to see some of these pitchers, uh, uh, UC Beaver, we want to see how he's going to rebound. We're going to see Carrasco Sunday night, you know, and he he, he was pulled early on uh, last start, but they're saying it was, you know, nothing of major concern. So I want to, you know, I really want to make sure that's what we're seeing, especially for, you know, the, the fantasy uh, uh, ramifications for that. But one thing, one thing that I really want to see, now we got Lindor, or, you know, everyone, Lindor's back from the disabled list. That is already paying dividends. We saw him went deep in his first game, you know, give uh, Cleveland, a, a, you know, a nice boost. But I'm going to see if this really gets Jose Ramirez going. You know, now the pressure doesn't have to be on him or he has to do everything. It's got to be him, 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 all by himself. You know, you, you've got Lindor back. You've got cargo in this lineup. You know, and he's giving you veteran guys to, um, to um, you know, take some of that pressure off, their, uh, off Jose Ramirez. You know, and he was off to a slow start. I mean, there's no question about it. It's not what anyone was expecting. And you're talking about a guy that in a lot of redraft leagues, there were people just because of the home run and, and, and stolen bases that he brings you. You know, some people were taking him number one overall, which I found ab- absolutely interesting, especially when you have guys like Moogie Betts and Trout out there. So, you know, I want to see how he rebounds after giving Lindor back into this lineup. And, again, as I mentioned, the other veteran presence in there. But we are already seeing it. That averages up, That, or excuse me, that on-base percentage is starting to slowly kind of climb up. That veteran average still isn't there. Strikeouts, you know, 1487, I get it, but it's the contact for him, that we contact that we're not used to. So, you know, he's one player I, I was really circling just to see how he does, too. And when you're playing arguably one of the best teams in the American League, you know, I, I, I'd i say you, you put them in any order. Houston, Boston, New York, Sands injuries for New York. But, you know, seeing these guys get to play them, I think that's the thing where, you know, you get that adrenaline rush. So Jose Ramirez is a player I want to pay attention to to see how he starts putting it together. Um, and then one last series that we had
1: uh, covered to wrap up the show here. Uh, Tampa Bay at Boston. This one has uh, certainly implications. You know, obviously it's a long season, only April, but it still has long-term implications for this AL East race. Uh, the Rays are off to such a strong start. They have Charlie Morton uh, and Tyler Glass now going in, in this series at the least. Uh, Blake Snell will not be going in this series. Uh, on the Boston side of things, uh, we'll get to see the the guy we talked about earlier, Chris Sale pitch on Sunday uh, and also uh Tampa Bay uh, catches both of the Red Sox aces uh, as Price will be pitching a Friday game. Um, what do you have to add, add to this series, Kyle?
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to Saturday's matchup of Glassnow and Price. Um, you know, if, if you would have told me at this point in nearly the same innings pitch that Price would have more strikeouts than say, oh, I would have said, no, there's no way that's, that's happening. But, you know, I want to see it. Glassnow, I've seen him pitch in, in, at AAA I've seen the pitches, you know, uh, his, the times that he was up and down with with um, uh, Pittsburgh. And the issue with him was just throwing pitches for strikes, really having control of that fastball. And, you know, and being able to repeat his delivery. I mean, he's eight, so, I mean, his, his stride is, you know, greater than a lot of other uh, pitchers out there. But just being able to repeat his delivery, being able to locate that fastball, which he has shown the ability to do, and he still throws it. You're talking about a guy that gets up the the high 90s. So I want to see how he does it against this lineup. You know, Boston, too, if you look at them, some of these hitters have had slower starts. But, you know, seeing this hard-throwing righty against guys like Betts, against guys like Ben Attendee, I'm really interested to see this side of their start. And, And the same time, too, talking about the pitching and the hitting for Boston, Tampa Bay has been exciting. I mean, this team has won. They've put it together. Um, and, you know, and, and seeing a guy like second baseman Brandon Laos and Andy Diaz, which, you know, Cleveland definitely could use when, you know, Lindor started off on the DL and and, and uh, Ramirez struggled. Being, I mean, he still is struggling. But, you know, they've been a very, very, very fun team to watch early on. Yeah, I'm very excited
1: about this series. Um Boston Red Sox, obviously, I think you're going to get a shot at seeing some Michael Chavez in that that series. We've talked about him so far today. Um, ben intendi Betts, Martinez, such, such a great, great outfield and, and such a packed offense there. Um, Rafael Devers, getting to see if he can continue to turn it around uh, i'm interested to see if some of these raised players um like g-man Choi, for instance who bats high up in that lineup especially in dfs type situations can start to uh take up some slack while meadows is gone uh and also try to see uh, how soon meadows will be back um is there is there any other series uh either past present future uh that you wanted to cover be, before we
0: we get out here uh, not really a, a series in particular. Uh, I mean, just really, we're waiting. There's been so many hitters that we've seen struggle on. And, you know, for the most part, too, I mean, people need to realize. It. I mean, we're only in week three of you know, fantasy baseball, and it's a, still the first month of the season. Guys will struggle. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, you're talking about we've seen how many games were rain delays. You're talking, I'm not making excuses for anyone, but you've seen players start off in, in – uh, in uh, areas that doesn't have the greatest weather. I mean, baseball shouldn't be played in 30 degree weather, 40 degree weather. It's just not the way it is. That's, you know, and and again, it's early on, but we're going to see a lot of these hitters battle through or uh, bounce back from slow starts. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's any uh, specific series. I'm really paying attention to over the weekend, other than the ones we really hit on.
1: Sounds good, Kyle. And, uh, I think we'll uh I think we'll book in the show by uh by finishing the way we started. Um the uh the Arizona Cardinals did not listen to our advice. They they picked Kyler Murray number one overall. It seems like either Josh Rosen's gonna be a, a high priced backup or it, it is looking to be be traded elsewhere moving forward. Uh uh Nick Bosa at number two, Quinn Williams at, at number three. Uh Clellan Farrell surprising a lot of people to the Raiders at number four um, and, and the Bucks just now about to make their pick. But uh, uh, any, any quick draft thoughts on, 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 our first four, four picks?
0: Wow. I, you know, by today, I really didn't think they were going to go Kyler Murray, but I can tell you one thing. If you're, if you're a, a Madden player, he's going to be very, very, very fun to play with if you're the Cardinals. Not a whole lot of options or, you know, weapons for him to get the ball to right now, but I mean, if they can build around him and he can move, you know, as he can and he does have an arm, he's definitely going to be a, a solid player. So, so far, and, you know, I thought, it, hey, San Francisco getting Bosa, I mean, that I'm sure they're more than happy getting him at number two. Yeah, I heard the Jets
1: tried to uh, trade back, but end ended up with Quinn Williams. Bucks just got Devin White at the fifth pick where we're live now. But uh, uh, that'll do it for our show today. It's been great talking to you as always, Kyle. Uh, uh, have a, a good weekend, and I'm sure I'll see you uh, or hear from you next Thursday.
0: Sounds good, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks again. Yep.
1: And uh, as always, I'm Cole Friel. This has been the Major League Fantasy Baseball Show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Episode 154. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, me and Brian Roach, uh, host Brian Roach, will be doing the Sunday show this week. Uh, Me and Kyle will be back on on our normal Thursday show, this show, uh, next week around this time. Uh, So look forward to us then. And until next time, I'll see you guys.